everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. I am so delighted to be talking. Can I use the word legend? Is that okay? <laughs> you can use the word, whether it's appropriate or not, it's, it's another thing. I am delighted to be talking with comics legend uh, Barry Kitson. Barry, thank you for jumping on this afternoon for you and morning for me. That's my pleasure. Uh, I, I've read your work, as I mentioned before I started the recording. I've read it for some time and glad to be talking to you. I was a big DC Comics fan and continue to be, but uh, really enjoy your work there as well as in other spaces as well. So um, anything you'd like to share about sort of your path to comics? Were you a comics reader as a kid? I was, um, and... This won't mean anything unless you share the video, but just, just recently, um, while clearing my father's house, I uncovered uh, the incredible Fomer versus Thorn Alado. Oh, wow. Which I created when I was about nine years old. And uh, it's a thrilling adventure where only a person who could create foam could take on a man who's covered in thorns. Nice, um, nice. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I, uh, I began... Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a comic artist from when I was about sort of eight, ten years old. Um, mm -hmm. First time I came across U.S. comics, really, and saw Jack Kirby, that was me sold on it. Um, as far as my path to getting a career went, um, much more luck than judgment. Uh, mm -hmm. I was, um, oh, well, I start, to be honest, I failed my art A-level, which is sort of the exam you take at 18. I got the same pass as I would have done at um, 16. Mm -hmm. uh, so apparently drawing comics was not in favor with the exam invigilators in those days. Ah, okay. Um, a lot of people told me that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me um, in that um, the people I knew who did go to art college were relentlessly, was trying to drum that into them. They shouldn't be drawing comics and that uh, there wasn't a serious medium so because we're talking back in the uh, i guess 70s now late late 70s early 80s um but i kept drawing for my own amusement and um one day i went into my local comic shop and the owner said oh i showed some of your drawings to a well-known comics artist uh who was john stokes and um he said to give you his number and get in touch with him and I got in touch with John. He looked at what I'd done. He said he was comfortable giving me editor's numbers and I could use his name as a reference. And um, so uh, the first place I, I took any work to was um, Marvel UK. <laughs> and um, at the time they were publishing uh, Captain Britain and Doctor Who mainly. And I went down, I showed them my work. They said they liked it. They asked, what have you had published? And I said, well, nothing yet. And they said, well, when you've had something published, come back, because we only used, we only used published artists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I kind of said, well, you know, how does that work? That's a catch-22. How do I, if, you know, if everybody says that, how do I ever get anything published? And they right. sort of kind of shrugged. And, um, but I asked them, I said, well, maybe you could give me a used script. Somebody's already drawn, drawn but I could go away and draw it and come back and you can give me a critique and they said they'd be willing to do that and 
by sheer coincidence, they also said, um, oh, we're actually having a party tonight because one of the colleagues is leaving. You want to come? So I went to the party and um, kind of got to know everybody there. And they never sent me the script. And I rang up a few weeks later and said, oh, I met with such an editor and he said he's going to screw his script. He hasn't sent it. And they said, oh, well, actually, he's not here anymore. There's a new editor. So I spoke to him and he said, well, come down to London again. Show me your work. See what I think. And so I went back to London and Marvel was a big open office where everybody could see each other. <laughs> and I walked in and literally everybody there remembered me from this party for some reason. And so I was like, oh, Barry, great to see you again. And the new editor, who hadn't been at this party, told me later that he just assumed I was a stable artist there because everybody knew who I was. That's and crazy. so when I, I sat down with him, he said, well, all I can offer you at the moment is Spider-Man. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And he gave me the script, said, draw, go away, draw the first two pages. If I like him, you got the job. And again, by pure luck, Mark Farmer was inking it. And Mark was way ahead of me at this stage. And so he turned my naive doodlings into what looked like very professional work and um, never really looked back after that. <laughs> oh, wow. You were, you were doing a lot of knocking on doors, though. I mean... The, I appreciate the persistence in your story of going back and going back because there are people that would say, oh, the, the editor's changed. Oh, um, but that's that's a wonderful story. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, what I, I, what I took from that was the fact that if John hadn't gone out of his way to help somebody he didn't even know and mm -hmm. potentially could have been a rival for his work, you know, I probably would never have had a, an in and um, I would have ended up being the English teacher that I was yeah. for the rest of my life. Um, so, you know, from that, I've always tried to help anyone else who I come across who, you know, I think has got the talent and the, and the, the attitude to, to do well in the business to get in. Now I made some wonderful friends doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So with Spider-Man, the thing that always impresses me, the webbing, I mean, <laughs> you've got to have that minute attention to detail over and over again. Love the character, but um, some of those details, uh, I'm sure, are uh, a character-building yes, moment. <laughs> and there is a Superman, a Spider-Man cover out there that when people ask me to sign it, I do finish off the webbing on it for them because nobody noticed it before it was published. I didn't notice it until I was signing it for someone, but somewhat, at some point during the inking of it, I must have been interrupted. And I never finished the webbing down one arm. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, and so now when I see it, 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 it haunts me. <laughs> I, that makes me feel better when I'm interrupted in a project. Now, now I feel much better. Apparently that happens to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's almost a question of what haven't you done because you, you've worked on so many characters, so many storylines. Um, with so many folks and as I mentioned I, I was a big DC kid growing up and then uh, made my way back around to Marvel so Asriel's one of those that's one of my favorites and uh, the Batman Elseworlds work that you did Legion of Superheroes mm -hmm. um, yeah it, are there favorite books or favorite collaborations that you look back on fondly um, 
I don't, yeah, I mean, obviously working with Mark Wade is something I've done for over the last, I guess, 30 years now. So, you know, we have a very good working collaboration, but I've, I've enjoyed working with everybody, I think. Um, some writers get more involved with the art, um, some less so. Um, I always generally prefer the guys who give me a, an amount of trust and freedom. Um, you know, Mark does that a great deal. You know, we back and forth between each other from, you know, he gives me a plot. I give him the thumbnails. He gives me a few changes. I give him page roughs. And that, that back and forth is really enjoyable. Um, yeah. I, I don't get the same kind of um, fulfillment when I've just been given an absolute full script and, you know, then you, then you become a... Um, just a means of there being an illustration as opposed to involved so much. I mean, yeah. There's always a certain amount of leeway. Um, but I, I do like the collaborative thing. I mean, working with Alan Grant was always a real pleasure as well. Mm -hmm. um, for the LEGION run we did for four or five years. Um, Yeah, I've been very lucky. I've worked with some really nice people. I don't think I've really worked with anyone that I've ever had any um, any serious falling out with. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciated Alan Grant, both with um, comics, but then he did a few adaptations of mm. works too, so I got to read some of his prose growing up, so I appreciated him a lot. And uh, Sorry to lose him last year. Yeah. 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 Um, but but I love also what you what you were saying there about the the storytelling aspect of it because this the images do tell part of that story. So it's great to find that collaboration between the person writing the script and the person uh, bringing it to visual life too. Yeah, it's especially good when you're working with a writer who understands comics, because occasionally I've had a few like I've had a panel description of the lights flicker. <laughs> uh, so, uh, they really don't in a comic <laughs> not in one panel <laughs> you'd need at least three <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah interesting interesting um any characters or or storylines or anything like that that you'd want to revisit at this stage um i i, I think I'm, I'm getting that stage where anything I revisited would be nice, you know, just, uh, mm -hmm. like, you know, reacquainting with old friends. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's anything that is kind of screaming out to me that, you know, that I left something unfinished. I don't think, um, yeah. it could be one of the things with comics is you, you also have to accept that things move on without you. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I would. I mean, you mentioned Azrael. I mean, I would probably love to go back to Azrael, but I'd want to pick it up from where I left off. Right. Uh, you know, there's so much has subsequently happened, um, and that's it's kind of one of the difficulties I have now. Of, of I, don't, I don't read as much as I used to anymore of, of the classic titles because the characters have kind of morphed mm -hmm. so much that. I find it difficult to relate them to the characters that, you know, I fell in love with as a, as a kid yeah. and are still dearest in my heart. You know, sometimes I look at a character now and no, that's not right. That's not him. <laughs>
Yeah, I, I have the same experience as a reader very often of recognizing that the stories change, they update. I mean, I, I think some of these publishers have restarted their continuities and the thing that happens now is they seem to have multiple continuities. So, um, uh, but... yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of what drove me to the the edge of like I've got to stop by and trying to read everything because it makes no sense anymore. Um, you know, the same character would be a vampire in one comic that came out that month. In another comic, they'd have lost their powers entirely, and in a, you know, in a third one, they'd be in another part of the world. And it's like the illusion of of a cohesive world is just gone out the window yeah yeah but i think you know again i was lucky that when you know when i was 10 or 12 years old and i started buying comics they were literally a couple of pence each mm-hmm. marvel were only bringing out i would i would guess around 20 titles a month and i could literally afford to buy every title you know whether i was interested in the western ones or the loved ones or not it didn't matter i just wanted to have every marvel comic and and then you could afford to do it but now I, I don't think any, well, hardly anybody could afford to buy every comic that either one of the companies puts out every month. Oh, goodness. No, it's it's expensive. It's really expansive and expensive, yeah. And, and the other thing about comics in the way that they used to be written is you could sort of jump from a month to a month. And I remember growing up, you know, I, I might find like the third of a series of three or, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to read that next issue uh, because they weren't always as readily available as they are now. No, so. no. Well, um, particularly in England, um, and this I know this is true from talking to um, Dave Gibbons and other friends. You know, we all had the same experience of American comics just came over as ballast on freight liners, mm-hmm. and they were only distributed at the seaside to news agents near the docks, and they came yeah. in absolutely no order whatsoever. So. Um, you know, one week you would go down and you'd get Avengers number one. The next week you'd go down and you'd get Avengers 64. Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. it, But we all said it kind of made it even more special for us because it was that, you know, whole treasure finding thing of, uh, you, you know, I've, oh, I finally found issue 12, having had issue 11 and 13 for the last four years. Mm-hmm. I get to know how they got from one to the other. But, um, and that continuity was there. Yeah, I mean, it was. There was a thing we had again. Oh, this is for the. Um, in England, um, some com- a comics company calling itself Power Comics started um, reprinting the Marvel um, books in black and white um, from number ones onwards. They would come out in comics like they were called Fantastic, Terrific, Smash and Pow. Um, and you would get, especially in Fantastic and Terrific, you'd get three characters per issue. They'd split the 21-page Marvel comics into seven-page segments. Mm-hmm. And you could, you'd get it every week. But at least it gave you a chance to have that continuity even if you didn't get it in colour. Um, And then, yeah, that, that, that made it all accessible to us, which was, which was good. You mentioned that you like to sort of help those that are coming up that, that have talent. Any 
names that you're watching or people that you're particularly interested in um, uh, kind of following along with right now? No, um, to be honest, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't insult anybody who's in the business now by telling them that I, by saying publicly that they're there because I helped them in any way. Oh yeah. 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 I, I was thinking more of like the upcoming voices and people that are um, sort of out there. Not really so much. I mean, since, since lockdown, mm-hmm. um, I'm not experiencing as many people at conventions um, as I was. I mean, 10 years ago, you know, I was going to probably 10 conventions a year and um, you know, meeting usually one or two people there at any convention. Um, there's a actually a young. There's a couple of young people from Europe who, whose work is is excellent. There's a, a young Danish boy who's, you know, I think I met him when he was twelve. He's now about fifteen, sixteen, and, and remarkable progress. You know, absolutely incredible. Um, but it's, it's always nice to see people's work which is good I, the, the difficult thing is when somebody comes up to you with a portfolio which is you know you can't you, you can't even try and find one good thing to say about it then it, it, uh-huh. it's horrible um i mean you can still encourage people but uh, the sadly it's, it's often the people whose portfolios are the the weakest who have the biggest ego about what they've drawn uh, yeah, and they're the, yeah. they're the most difficult to give any advice to. Um, you get some funny things in portfolios. There's one, I can't remember whose it was, which is probably good, but somebody showed me their sample pages and mm. it was a jungle scene. And the story was all centered around a tage tiger, but you never actually saw the tiger. And I said, well, you know, you really need, you know, you'd see like one claw or you know one bit of it sticking out of the cage and i said you know you really need to establish the tiger better than this you know so that the story is clear and everybody knows it's gonna and it's a yeah but i can't draw tigers very well i think so why choose to make that your sample <laughs> right, right. Or, or why choose to make a tiger be in the cage <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean you know for samples the story could have been anything Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why choose something you can't draw as right. yeah. um... so, so the advice I'm hearing for young creators is find those things you draw well <laughs> well I, yeah, or, you those. know if it, just my, my, my big advice is just keep drawing keep drawing keep mm-hmm, drawing mm-hmm. Um, and it gets better don't worry about things um, not being great the first time you draw them because they're not going to be um, but just enjoy the enjoy the process, and, and that and that'll come through in what you produce. Um, the difficulty in, in a lot of with a lot of people now is, you know, they want to be a comic artist, but they don't want to put the years in before. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one person come up to me at a show and said, uh, "Oh, uh, at the moment, I'm a I'm a teacher." But I'd like to be a, a comic artist. Would you, you know, give me some advice? And I said, sure. Uh, and he stood there for a bit. I said, well, you know, you, you, can you show me your drawings? Oh, I haven't drawn anything yet. Uh, <laughs> I said, well, my advice is go away and draw something. 
right and they find out if you can actually draw before you decide you want to become a comic artist and the advice i've heard on writing is, is the same um or similar from Anne lamont put put your butt in the chair <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um it's a bit like you see on a lot of the talent shows uh, you know you get people saying you know why do you want to become why should we make you a comic because i want it you know Mm -hmm. just wanting it isn't good enough you've actually got to work for it as well right right yeah and that's honoring the reader too putting the the time uh, yeah absolutely yeah yeah so you mentioned conventions um i'm going to mention your facebook page because it's a, it's a wonderful space um that folks can go out and and like and i've enjoyed following the posts that you share there um any conventions that are still go-tos for you or any events like that that are relatively um, inviting and tend to well, the my, pandemic? My, my favorite um, convention in, in the U.S. for many reasons um, is Baltimore. Uh, I've been mm -hmm. going there, um, I think, for more than 20 years, and the only years I've missed have been the lockdown years. Um, so that, that's... That's, that's kind of my go-to one. I enjoy a lot of the others, but that's, you know, the one where I first made a lot of friends. You know, we all get there together. It's it's a very comic-centric show rather than a, a media show, which is, which is great. Um, I mean, I've done some media shows where, you know, I've had people come to me and say, oh, so what do you do? I said, oh, I draw comics. Oh, people actually draw those? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we do, and yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I love, uh, I love chatting about comics. I love other people who share the enthusiasm. Um, and you know, as you said about the Facebook page, it's it's more uh, designed more as a community rather than a than a, um, you know a, a vehicle to. Um, push what I'm doing. Um, mm. yeah, what I like about it is it's you know ev everybody there um, are is, is pleasant to each other. We don't we don't deal with trolling and um, you know self advertising and things like that. It's it's just a nice space to talk about comics. I mean, we can argue. Obviously, you know there are always those who are going to think. The five-year gap is either the best thing in Legion history or the worst. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't take a stand either side on that one. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but it, you know, it's everybody respects everybody else. I think that, and that's the main thing about it. And um, it, it's a joy for me because I, you know, I, I post a lot of art there, which uh, sometimes has nothing to do with comics. Uh, it's just things that I. I producer and it's very nice to have people um, appreciate it and like it no matter what the actual subject matter is because then you think oh they actually like my artwork it doesn't matter if it's spider-man or not mm -hmm, they like mm -hmm. the artwork. so that, that's that's very rewarding and i it gives it makes me feel good to go every day yeah yeah and that's a good thing that's a good thing there's lots of uh more negativity and divisiveness in the world. And it's, I find reading, creating, uh, those are things that bring people together very, very well. So I, I appreciate getting to follow along there on the page and I'll continue doing that.
Uh, you know, if you, uh, you're very welcome. It's nice to have you there. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'll share this as well on, on my page. And um, did I miss anything? Anything that you want to make sure to hit before we wrap up the episode? Uh, Hard to encapsulate so. everything, I'm sure. <laughs> but I've tried to hit some highlights. <laughs> I'm also going to uh, say I appreciate your studio space. Um, it's a very cool space and noticing either vinyl or comics back there. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's vinyl on that side. It's comics beyond the screen on the other side, uh, lots of books. Um, this is the uh, digital end. Love it, uh, love it. And the other half of the studio is, which is somewhat bigger, is, is where I do all the actual physical artwork, which um, I still get a bigger kick out of than the digital stuff. And then the digital stuff is great for speed and utility, but um, it's never quite the same as actually having a, a real pencil in your hand and a real paintbrush. And, mm -hmm. But then I'm old school, as you know. And that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. I appreciate the the human nature of what's on the page as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, other than that, I mean, I feel like we've, uh, this is always the case when I start talking, we've barely scratched the surface of, uh, right. <laughs> uh, of, of anything to do with anything, really. But uh, if you're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I'm very happy. And, you know, if you think of anything, may the conversation continue. Always, always glad to talk with you. And, and thanks for being a positive force out there uh, for young creators and uh, just just a pleasant person to talk to. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Well, that, that stems from... The very first comic convention I attended, um, I saw a fellow creator make a 12-year-old girl cry because he refused to do a sketch for her. And mm -hmm. I kind of decided there and then that, um, you know, I never wanted to be that person. And uh, so I've, I've, I've tried to avoid being like that. I mean, obviously, I have grumpy days, same as everybody else. But uh, sure. <laughs> um, overall, I, I, I think, you know, I'm a... I'm a big believer in you know what you put out there comes back mm -hmm. agreed uh, I, I find being nice to people tends to bring you better rewards than uh, bullying or haranguing people so true so very true well once more i appreciate your work i appreciate your time uh and and looking forward to staying connected and continuing to enjoy your work yeah, please too. And uh, you know, if you ever do want to do a part two in the yeah, next month's time or whatever, I'm more than happy to do it. I'd love to. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Talk again soon. Uh -huh.